Hello and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. I'm Jeff, your host, intrepid voyager into the world of RPGs. And as I voyage through the cosmos of bad games and weird dice mechanics, who will stand near me and wildly flail his robo-hooks at the first sign of danger? Why, my co-host, John. This week, we're vaguely celebrating a big Kickstarter to which we are personally unrelated by covering Talislanta, 4th edition. That's right, by the time this comes out, there will be six days left to a Kickstarter for brand new 5th edition Talislanta, a game of exploration in a unique fantasy universe. Will we support the Kickstarter? You'll just have to listen to find out on today's System Master. happens in Ohio. No. There's no reason to ever be in Ohio <laughs> unless a... you are on your way to someplace better. <laughs> and even then, how did you land there? It's not like there's an important airport. No. How did you, you had to drive through it. It is it's not even fly by country. It's just drive through country. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but drive throughs. Yeah. No one no one ever wants to go to Ohio. Well, it notably doesn't have one of those rich cultural city centers that everyone wants to visit. You know, like if if you're telling your friends, "I'm going to Illinois, guys." They're going to be like, "Why?" But if you're like, well, it's because I'm going to Chicago, the only part of Illinois that matters. Yeah, then they're like, like, oh, okay, oh, I get it. Okay, I understand. But there's nothing like, you're never like, oh, man, I can't wait to get my ass to Columbus. No, no one's ever like, oh, man, have you seen the rich cultural centers of Columbus? I need to get me one of them Columbus-style hot dogs. Oh, I'm in a feud with my friend over which is the better style of pizza, New York or Columbus? <laughs> Columbus-style pizza. You get that Columbus-style pizza. Why do I feel like Columbus-style pizza is literally just like day-old Pizza Hut? <laughs> Columbus style pizza is just a Domino's you happen to find in a gutter. <laughs> Columbus style pizza is a slice of shakies that you have to wrestle a homeless guy for. <laughs> Columbus style pizza is a little Caesars where there's a bear behind the counter. <laughs> he doesn't work there. He wandered in. What am I doing here? Bears aren't lo- are local to Ohio. <laughs> oh, I just came here for the the local pizza. I just needed one of them slices of Columbus style pizza, man. <laughs> I just I just had to have it. <laughs> anyway, you have a good time in the wonderful downtown Columbus area. Same thing with Dayton, am I right? Yeah. All, all I'm trying to say here as a bear is, if you're hosting a, a, a role playing game convention, why are you doing it here? Get out of Ohio. <laughs> Unless you're going to the right Patterson Air Force Base. That's sort of cool. But other- <laughs> otherwise, no. Nothing. Nothing nah. at all. Nah, brah. Nah. There you go. All right. So welcome to welcome to System Mastery. <laughs> Are we going to use that? Sure. Let's use it. Let's use all of that. Every bit of the buffalo. <laughs> we do not get rid of anything here. It's all one hot live take. <laughs> Fuck it. We'll do it live. <laughs> Fucking thing sucks. <laughs> How does he not know what play us out means? I know, isn't that crazy? Like, what is it? What was happening? I mean, folks, if you don't know what we're talking about, there's an old ass clip of uh, Bill O'Reilly on some news show or other. It might have been back when he was on Inside Edition or something. Yeah. But it's him freaking the fuck out over his teleprompter saying that Sting will now play us out. Yeah, and now here's Sting to play us out. And he's like, what the fuck does that mean? What the fuck is that? It's like, play us out. Well, aren't you like a media personality? It means. It means that Sting music will play out the end of the song over the credits a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's going to be some... Fields of gold. 
Like that sort of thing. But he's like, I don't understand what this is, and I'm so mad. Yeah. Nah, nah, fuck it. I'll do it myself. I just I watched that again a couple of days ago to celebrate his downfall. Yes. That's been kind of my it's been a fuck Bill O'Reilly kind of week. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's been. I mean, I'm not taking a strong political stance here. I just dislike Bill O'Reilly personally. I am taking a strong political stance that Bill O'Reilly is a garbage man and should be tossed (laughs) to the streets. Or have you heard what his big thing to follow it up is? Is that he has a podcast? Oh, good. Oh, maybe we can get him on here. Oh, dude, let's try and get uh, Bill O'Reilly on to System Mastery. Right? He would love to be on our show. What do you think his favorite role-playing game is? Hint, it doesn't involve dice. It involves falafel. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this is the System Mastery Podcast, where we discuss old role-playing games. Uh, this week, we decided, on the urging of one of our listeners, to cover Talislanta while its Kickstarter is still live, and we will do so. There will be and about, it is barely still live, yeah, but it is up. Well, it's, it's four times over its coverage. It, yeah. it's, it, it succeeded, and then some. It's got like $45,000 out of a requested 10000 as I speak. Yep. So it's doing fine. You don't have to worry about uh, Steve or whatever his name is. <laughs> Steve. I think his name is Steve. You check that book. Tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I will check this book and tell you that it's, you are wrong. It's right on the cover. It's on the bottom of the cover. Yeah. Oh, his name is Fantasy Roleplaying. That's his name. <laughs> God right there on the bottom of the cover. <laughs> I'm sorry, Steve. Fantasy Roleplaying. I'm sorry, Fantasy. I'm sorry I identified you as Steve. How dare you? I, I'm the worst kind of person. Oh, oh, here it is. Shooting Iron Design. That's his name. <laughs> Shoe. Ting Iron. I feel bad for saying that because I'm pretty sure the art, the primary artist of this book is P.D. Breeding Black. Like with a dash. John. John Harper. Okay, it's someone new then. It's it's. A, I'm pretty sure it's a Steve in the new Kickstarter. I'm pretty sure it's a Steve. It's some kind of That's Steve. what they've, they've got it right there on the Kickstarter page. Talislanta 5th Edition brought to you by a Steve. <laughs> Just some Steve. I don't know. I Here's the thing. <laughs> We're not helping their Kickstarter. That wasn't the point of this episode. No. I mean... We'll cover the old game and, and discuss how nice it is that there's a new one coming out, but I don't know anything about it, and I'm not a supporter of it yet. Nope. This is just coincidental. It just happens to be. Yeah, so good luck with your Kickstarter, you guy, you Steve. <laughs> good luck, A eh, Steve? A <laughs> <Hey>, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> we'll support your game, A eh, Steve? <laughs> if it's the last thing we do. Anyway, uh, Talislanta is... Uh, a role-playing a, game. A role-playing game. Uh, I'm trying. I'm struggling to come up with something like super unique to say about it. Um, I've the always one unique thing to me is that it is only a d20 that you need. Like one d20 per person is all you need. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the games that use d20 resolution will then use a bunch of different dice for random other crap. Whether it's percentiles for like charts or just the other dice for damage, whatever. Yeah. But this one is. All you need to play this is one D20, and that's it. You need a single D20 and some pencils and some friends. And pizza. But don't touch the DM slice. Don't touch the DM's Ohio-style pizza. Mmm, Ohio-style pizza. It's got road tracks in it. (laughs) It doesn't want to be here. That's how you can tell. It's an Ohio-style pizza because it's cold because whoever bought it left Ohio. (laughs) Yeah, they bought it and then drove five hours to get out of here. Our five Ohio listeners are so mad right they now. Are, no, our five <laughs> Ohio listeners are like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you Fuck got this it. place. You, you got it in one there, buddy. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> 
So, uh, so let's talk about the Talislanta system before we start talking about. Here's the thing I knew this game for going in. Like I've only ever heard about it. I never tried to crack it. It's imposing. First of all, it is. Oh, it is a huge book. I mean, it's the a only good thing I've seen half. really bigger than that is the new Exalted book. Yeah, the new Exalted book, which defies reading. Yeah, it's like this was almost 500 pages, and that book is like 700. Yeah, the, the new Exalted book looks like it should be open in a library with a big string running through it, like all the time, like it never closes. Yeah. It just looks like it's a tome. Yeah, you but just set that out somewhere. This is like two inches thick. Like, barbecuing this book would be difficult to do correctly. <laughs> it would be too rare in the middle. <laughs> you gotta get one of them uh, them little blow torches and then just torch yeah, the middle you of You gotta it. reverse sear this thing. Yeah. Do it the broiler first and then take it out and hit it with a, with a torch. What you're gonna want to do is get that shit some sous vide. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna vacuum seal our copy of Talislanta <laughs> and then put it in a 185 degree convection bath for 7 to 11 hours. Now we're gonna put some rosemary in there. <laughs> a sprig of rosemary and a sprig of marjoram will... <laughs> Will complete the t- the flavor profile. Serve oh. with with uh, shredded kohlrabi. <laughs> That's how you serve Talislanta. <laughs> well, we got to talk about the game. Let's talk about the mechanics. Okay, so as I mentioned, it's all one d twenty. Yep. Uh, you will just have a chart that you need to memorize, like two of them. Yeah, and one for of them you, is- you only, as a player, you would only need to memorize one, which is the success chart. Yes, and you roll a d20, and you add modifiers to it, and then you compare your total against a success chart. And if you are uh, rolling against someone, then the difference between your your bonus and their bonus becomes the number that you add to the or subtract from the success chart roll. Yeah, so if I've got a plus 8 to my roll and they're opposing it with a plus 6, then my roll is plus 2. Yeah, you roll a d20, plus 2, check it against the success chart. So if you're trying to hit someone, for example, if I'm trying to punch John with one of the many fanciful weapons of this game... Oh, don't do that. Uh, I will roll a d20, add my combat skill. Let's say my combat skill is plus 4, and I'm punching John, who is, is slovenly and lazy, and so his defense is a minus <laughs> 1. Then the difference between my bonus and John's defense is a minus or is a uh, total of five. So I roll a d20, add five to it, and then check that total number against the success chart. Now the chart has it has the crit success, crit failure. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, the mishap is only if you roll a zero or less on d20. So you can't like super mess up unless you have like an actual negative to what you're rolling. That's correct. So if you have any bonus at all, the worst you can do is a regular failure, mm-hmm. which is a 1 to 5. Yes, and even then that's not like likely or especially common. So they did a fairly good job with that. Uh, yeah, you do have partial success as a thing you can get as a 6 to 10. Uh-huh, and that's... Then regular success, 11 to 19, and if you get a 20 or above, you get a crit. And everything in this game is powered by intent. <clears throat> like you tell the, uh, the DM or whatever they're called in this game what you would like to happen... Yeah, it's not just, like, I'm going to swing a sword at a guy, or I'm going to cast a spell, or whatever. It's, I'm doing this action specifically to create this result, is yes. what you need. It's it's result-based rather than action-based. Yes, so you say things like, instead of, like, I am swinging this sword at this guy, you're saying, like, I am trying to drive him back with blows. And then, if you were to succeed you would end up driving him back rather than doing anything like, you know, cutting his arm off. Which, if you say, oh, I'm trying specifically to, say, cripple his leg or something. Yeah. Then if I get a critical success, then I will wound his leg. 
But if I were saying I wanted to cut his head off, I might just kill him instantly. Yes. Now, what you what the best way to play this then is to always use your sword for every possible situation and always just try to support them emotionally with it. <laughs> uh, I would like to swing my sword in such a way that they realize that their father is proud of them. <laughs> oh, you only got a partial success. They think their mother is proud of them. Aw, everyone thinks their mother is proud of them. <laughs> Mothers are always proud of you. This is the worst result. Damn it. Well, no, you could have failed, and then it'd be like, oh, they don't think anyone's proud of them. No one's proud of you and have a father. I rolled a one. My father's a false flag operation. <laughs> uh, I got a zero. I mishapped. It turns out he's his own father, and he's disappointed in that. <laughs> I'm disappointed in myself. <laughs> Stupid causal temporality. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. The that's that's it for the chart. Like that's all you need. Yeah, the only other chart is a difficulty chart uh, that gives you a bonus and minus kind of add-on roll that's for GMs, and that's way in the back of the book. And that's that's it. With those two charts, you can play this whole game and not need really anything else. Yeah, most of the rest of the book is gonna be just rules on when you get those bonuses or negatives. Yeah, skills uh, and and stat modifiers and so on. Uh, stats in this game, there are about, I think there's either 8 or 10, depending on if you count the uh, the two combat and magic uh, well, yeah, rating. The, the interesting thing about the stats in this is they have your ability to do uh, like actions that are combat or magic are outside of your standard stats. That's correct. So no matter how dexterous and strong you are, uh, you still have to roll on your combat rating instead of on your uh, your strength or dex to hit someone. Yeah, so you've got your, I mean, just sort of standard D&D stats. You've got your intelligence and perception. Mm -hmm. You've got uh, will and charisma, strength, dexterity, constitution, all that. Yeah. Uh, they add in speed as a rating. Yes, which is important because there are several, 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 several races in this game of varying speeds. Yeah, so speed is... Uh, both initiative and then how fast you go. Uh-huh. Uh, and then you get, like we said, the uh, the outside ones, which are your combat rating. So even if I have a dexterity and your numbers go from negative 5 to positive 5, basically. Yes, yeah. So zero is an average. Uh, does this game even have humans? I mean, they're... I mean, sort of, so, but, but it's... they're called they're, things. Yeah, but they say that zero is the average score and yeah. most of the... Uh, the difficulties in this game are based on how hard it would be for someone with a zero in that stat to do. Yes. So zero is the average, not the human average, because the game is deprived of humans, but replaced with 80 races of humans called things like Simrillians and, and Jaffars and... And Punxsutawneys and <laughs> Ypsilantes. Yeah, you got all that. <laughs> Youpers. <laughs> so... The the combat rating, then, is just the bonus or uh, the negative that you will add when you're trying to hit someone. Mm -hmm. And then the magic rating is your bonus or negative to casting spells. That's it. And then your stat directly c becomes a bonus or a penalty on your d20 rolls yep. otherwise. So it, there's no translation. There's no secondary tables. If you have a strength of plus two, then you add plus two to strength-related rolls. Yeah. The, the big thing strength does for you is... This game's weapons, because you're only playing with a d20, they all have just a damage that they do. Yeah, so, so a sword, for example, might do like 10. Yeah, and then if you hit a guy, great, you do 10. Mm -hmm. uh, you get to add your strength or subtract that. And so, then you subtract their armor and their constitution, I think? Or is constitution like your hit point no, control? No, constitution is just hit points. Yeah. You'll have a damage rating on your weapon and then a protection rating on your armor. Yeah. So if my protection rating is a 5 and your damage rating is a 10 and I hit you, 
Five damage. Yeah, plus strength modifier. So, so there you go. It's it's very very simple. Uh, and, and the mechanics by which you attain these hit points or these stats and so on are very obscured because you don't really get to create characters in this game. You just choose from a huge list. Yeah, that. It's one of the things in this game that I'm like. In addition to the ridiculously easy, uh, like single d twenty setup for the rules. Yeah. Making a character is literally just picking something out of the like hundreds of classes in this book and going, I'm that. It tells me my stats. It tells me my starting skills. It tells me my equipment. It gives me everything. Yeah. I can. You can move some of the stats around on a one for one basis. Yeah, but you can only do that up to like two points. Yes. And then also you get to choose two more common skills that you don't didn't already have at a plus one or plus two or something. Yeah. So you so, get a very small ability to tweak. Yeah. Very, very light tweaking. And then it, it tells you you're starting gear. The gear changes if you're male or female for a lot of these. But it's it's very much like, pick one of these items out of the box. Go play it. Like, this is a very... This game has the feel of it would be very easy to play this at a convention or something. Oh, yeah. This is definitely a game that if you brought this to a convention, it would be like, okay, character creation. Anyway, pick one of these and... I laminated these sheets. If you're feeling like you really wanted to roll your own character, don't feel bad. This game doesn't have that. Now let's play. Oh, yeah, because especially if you... The book also has, in addition to all the hundreds of classes you can be, a bunch of NPC-only ones. Yes, and they're they're interspersed among the classes you can be, which is amusing it, it, when you're reading through there. Yeah, you're just reading through, and then you see a big button that says NPC next to something, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. No. I guess I can't be that. Yeah. But so- it's... It's one of those things where if you then like took out all of the NPC ones and just had a list of these are the things you could be, especially if you were saying, I'm going to set it in this region of the world and you can only be from these countries, Yeah, that would narrow it down so much that oh, you would you just would, start playing immediately. You would really need to do that to play this game because, I mean, <clears throat> literally, we've now told you most of the mechanics for this game. We still need to go over, uh, well, we told you how combat works because it couldn't be simpler, although there's a bunch of... There's a bunch of secondary rules for things like charging or advancing movement distances. Yeah, there are you know, negatives depending on what you do, yeah. stuff like that. But There's, there's penalties for attacking with, with multiple weapons or, or pe- attacking multiple times. So there's, for example, you can attack as many times as you want in combat. It's just that the penalties are so severe that it's pointless to do so. Yeah, after like the second attack even, you're basically done. Yeah. It's like the, the the description they have is like some dude insults some lady in a bar, so she throws a drink at him and then stands up and stabs him, and she's and she operates at like a minus six for the second attack, uh, because she just she yeah, doesn't like have a whole the- lot of multi action capability. So you know, ultimately, the game pretty much wants you to just go. I take my turn. You take your turn. We, we all take our turns. Yeah, you do. Uh, there is also an action that you take. You have uh, your own active defense. It's very much. The players are going to be rolling the D20s most of the time. Yes, it's uh, interestingly similar to... Uh, Whispering like, Vault. Yeah, or uh, play Powered by the Apocalypse in that way, and that the DM doesn't really need dice. Yeah, I mean, they will attack. If a guy attacks you, he is going to be rolling a D20 for that guy. But your defense is your own active base, so you have to roll to parry. And you do have uh, cumulative negatives if you continue to do that. Yeah, so, so it's got if, onslaught penalties. Yeah, so if someone like tries to shoot an arrow at you and you dodge, and then someone else shoots an arrow at you, you're then negative one to try and dodge that, and you can keep trying. Yeah. Like I said, it's the same as the attacking. 
you can do it as much as you want as long as you are fine with stacking penalties. Yeah, yeah. So magic in this game is actually fairly cool. That is one of the more interesting things in this book is the magic system. Yes. I I was a big fan of it. I'll, I'll say that. I very much enjoyed reading through it. And here's the thing about this book. This book's like 500 pages, and you've already read how to build a character, how to, uh, although you haven't seen the list of characters you could build. Oh, no, you haven't yeah. looked at the archetypes yet. They're very, they're very near the back, but you've seen how characters work, how combat works, and now you're up into how magic works, and you're on page like 45. Like, it's very simple. Yeah, the magic section starts on 31. Yeah, and magic is basically, uh, there are a variety of spell effects you can accomplish. I think there's like 11 of them. They're called modes. Yeah, the the modes are all, basically think of them like the schools from D&D. Yes. So you've got like alter or transform or summon harm. or attack. Yeah, harm, heal. Uh, oh yeah, there are ones that are both. So harm and heal are one. Yeah. Uh, summon banish is one. Damage is different uh, than, than harm. Harm is straight up, you have to touch someone and it causes them to rot away, but damage is like you shoot a bolt. Yeah, it's like fireball would yeah. be an attack spell. Yeah. Whereas the like enervation or something would be harm. Yes. Uh, but then there's also you've got like your defensive stuff, your warding, uh, yeah, illusion, yeah. all that. Yeah. So all the basic types of magic you can think of, but they're very generic. Well, yeah, because it's just going to be the school, mm -hmm. and every time you cast a spell, you're going to say, "I'm casting a spell from, let's say, the movement school," because I really want to do like flight. I cast a really interesting movement earlier, like like about an hour ago. It's because I had barbecue for breakfast. Yeah, yeah. That's, that is a good choice that you made. Yeah. You've made good choices. Yeah. Let me tell you about my interesting movement spell. <laughs> so uh, you'd be casting move from whatever your order was. Mm -hmm. And orders are your uh, the way you learned magic, basically, like the schools of magic. Yeah. And there's a lot of them. I mean, there's only a couple that you really need to know about. But there are a significant number of orders, and including a whole bunch more that they tell you about later in the book that are just like, oh, this one group of people does this weird one. Oh, yeah. Well, there's, like, uh, one of them is Crystallomancy, and it's... Crystallomancy. You cast spells through crystals, and there's... You can only cast spells through girls named Crystal. Yeah. And they have to have really dried out hair. <laughs> and... And giant dogs that can open portals. That's right. Oh, wait, you're doing an Inhumans thing. I am. I was just making fun of girls named Crystal in general. <laughs> so, uh, with that, I think there's only, like, one race that does it. It's the gnome kin. Yeah, the, the, well, I, I don't like to think of them as gnome kin. I like to think of them as the Nomekin. <laughs> the Nomekin? Yeah, they're the Nomekin. Because this book doesn't have any elves. That's what earlier, I got, we, we got way off trap, uh, topic, but what I was trying to say is, the thing I know about this book is that it sells itself as we don't got no elves or dwarves. Well, yeah, they're like, nah, screw that Tolkien crap. It's all new races here. Everything's crazy and new. Incidentally, here's Gnomekin and obvious dwarves and obvious elves. Yeah. There's <laughs> like, here are analogs. We called them something else. Yeah. But the, like, Crystalmancy or any of them, they all have an advantage and a disadvantage to them. Mm -hmm. So every, like, class of casting spells... Like, Crystallomancy. Uh, uh, the big thing is, you can put a spell inside of a crystal and store it for later. Yeah. So it's great for stuff like, uh, normally spells in this, if they are, like, rituals or anything fairly complicated, it can take minutes to cast, which makes it pretty much impossible to do in combat. Yeah, pretty much. So with the Crystallomancy, you can be like, 
Uh, all right, I would take what would normally be like a five-minute ritual, put it in this crystal, and not only can you use it just like expel the spell whenever you want, but you can give it to non-casters and they can use the spell in there too. Yeah. And that's their big advantage. The disadvantage is that it takes even longer to put a spell in there, and once you do and use it, that crystal can never be used for holding a spell again. Like, it just ruins the crystal. Right. So, uh, so effectively, every one of the spell groups in this game works like that. You've got all the ones... You've got uh, things like generic sorcery. You've got uh, one that works entirely through a, a tarot card system in this game called the Zodar. And I really liked that one because it's big... Ad- advantage is when you cast spells no one knows you're doing it i i actually that was one of my least favorite ones of them because it, it was too open to interpretation where it was like when you're doing zodaromancy or whatever they call it cardomancy uh it doesn't have any outward trappings you appear to just be playing with a deck of cards nothing seems to be really happening however anyone who knows what this type of spell casting is knows and will try to stop you well the thing is there's like two races in this that know it yeah but the thing is those two races are known for knowing it like if you see one of them and you've ever heard of that race at all you're like oh that's the race that doesn't do anything but card magic oh he's got cards that's i'm sure that's innocuous yeah but their whole race does it and there's only a few magicians it would mean like anytime you saw anyone with a deck of cards you're like ah wizard (laughs) it's kind of like if you saw a race that was like, we all carry around guns, but only a few of us have bullets in them. <laughs> we, all, we all carry around guns and point them at you and shout constantly. That's all we, that's our whole race. But don't worry, <laughs> only 10% of us have bullets. <laughs> so you're like, you're like, yeah, I'll just react to this normally. This is no problem for me. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you they normally would use that for playing games and doing other stuff. So if someone was sitting there playing solitaire and then you were like, ah, horrible wizard, and then attack them, they'd be like, the fuck is wrong with you? Well, I guess that's the problem with having every single trait in this game be a racial trait. Yeah, it is. I mean, we'll get into it. That's kind of a problem in this book. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but so there's about, I think, 11 or 13 modes of uh, of spells and then another 10 or 13 to 13 orders of spells. And the way you do it is it's on the fly every time. If you say something like, I'm using my, uh, you know, uh, aromancy, which is air elemental spells, to cast uh, d- attack on that bird monster, then you just say, I would like to attack it. I'm going to do this amount of damage to it. I'm going to put this amount of magic energy into it. And if you've never cast that spell before, it's not that your character's learning a new one. It's that they learned it a long time ago, and they're just using it for the first time. Yeah, it's it's very weird in that it has improvisational spell casting in yep. that any of the uh, the modes that you know, and they are all skills uh, distinctly. Yeah. So I could have like a plus six in attack and a plus one in transform and so on. Uh-huh. Uh, but they are all very distinct. And if I say, you know, like you were saying, the aromancy, I do an attack spell, mm-hmm. and I've never done an aromancy attack spell, I have to come up with a name for it and say, oh, of course, I've always known this spell. It's just the first time I've used it because in-game, all wizards end up learning like a thousand discrete spells. Yes, because it's just the combinations of modes and, and uh, orders over and over again. And also, you can you can tweak them by spending different amounts on them or, or asking for different side effects to be attached to them uh, so that your character, like, for example, if your character is an aromancer who casts attack spells, they may know like six spells. I throw blades of wind at you. I cast call lightnings and they all have different small trappings different costs different times they take to cast different difficulties but ultimately they're just they're they're created by the player and the dm interacting and i like that yeah and 
the uh, the improvisational nature of it means you can because the game is very much about intent. Uh huh. It means you can do like an attack spell with one of my orders and have it be like, okay, the intent for this spell specifically is to say choke someone. Yeah. And then go, okay, great. Then I've got a different attack spell, which is specifically to just do damage. I've got one that's supposed to, like, tie them up so they can't move. A whole bunch of different things. Yeah. And then one last thing that's important about the spellcasting system is that there's a, a, a bit of DM advice built right into it that says, hey, you know, it seems really easy to use some of these as attack spells when they're not or whatever. And keep your eye on that. If the spell does damage, it's an attack spell. So, for example, if you've got an Earth Elemental guy and, and he has Conjure but not Attack, and he's like, well, okay, I'll Conjure a Rock Slide and have the Rock Slide hurt these guys, and then the, the DM is advised to say, no, that's an attack spell. Yeah. Uh, you can use it to move them around. Uh, Which would be move. Yeah, you could use it as a move spell to shove them down the mountain, but you can't attack with it, and the reason is because you don't know how to make rocks attack people yet. Yeah, you have not learned that mode of using your uh, spells. Yeah. So, sorry. Yeah, so it's it's uh, it's good that it, it enforces that. It can lead to some weird issues where you're like, my character summons a giant boulder and it falls on you, but it doesn't know how to hurt you. <laughs> uh, well, the uh, the other weird thing in this, which is uh, the the orders, the orders of it are uh, exclusionary for some of the modes. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I have certain ones like witchcraft doesn't let me get certain spells but uh oh, well, that I makes were... sense i mean like the one the zodar one where you can't where the uh, the one where you use cards to cast spells you can't use that for attack because what would that look like oh you can you can't use it for transform or summon so oh, okay. i can't like that's so flip weird. a card and summon a creature but that's exactly what that's that's straight up what it should do i know right to be like all right i'm playing fucking Yu-Gi-Oh. here we go <laughs> I summon blue eyes, white gold dragon can't lose or whatever. Oh, you were so close. If you just put out the gold, there's blue eyes, white dragon. Is it blue eyes, white dragon can't lose? Is that it? Is that the name of the, the monster? I mean, it's not can't lose. That's Parker Lewis. <laughs> no, Parker Lewis. <laughs> I summon blue eyes, Parker Lewis can't lose. <laughs> Zed, eat now. <laughs> uh, so... Basically, yeah, certain certain orders can't use certain modes. Although, here's the thing, all of that is optional, including the trappings and the secondary effects. Uh, the the book says, hey, if you want your uh, masteries to just be sort of flavorful ways that your characters cast spells, they can do that if they want to argue you into saying, oh, yeah, I can I can summon very specific things using my cards. Like, oh, I can summon a Pokemon. Then- well, if you're like, okay, I use the... Like the death card in the Zodar, and I summon a Reaper to go hit someone to death. You're like, okay, sure. Yeah. So there's a variety of of interesting like sidebars in this book that 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 uh, suggest rule changes that are not terrible. Now, one of the things that you might be thinking of that you cannot do is combine modes. So you cannot say do an attack that is also a transform. So you can't like stab someone and then also make it so that they are like smaller or anything yeah it means that for example you couldn't cast very basic like uh powers from fourth edition D, like thunder wave for example would not work because that does damage and pushes yeah you can't do a move spell with an attack you can't uh summon something and then teleport it somewhere immediately like all of the stuff that you have you have to do very discreet actions with yeah so the Although ma- the, the one problem I have with the system 
is every time you cast a spell, you get a stacking daily negative to anything else you cast. Mm-hmm. So if, uh, and it's all based on spell level. Yeah. So there are some where you could just do it at like spell level one and you'll get a minus one and it's fine. Yeah. But any of the, especially things like uh, attacking or summoning or any transformation stuff, you usually need to go up to at least like a third or fifth level. Yeah. Which means you're going to be like minus five to casting that spell. And then any other spell you do, plus the negatives from casting anything else. So it just ends up being, if you are a wizard, you're going to cast like two spells that day and then you're done. Yep, yep. But that's okay because this game doesn't turn wizards into like, oh, I'm in a robe and I like popsicles. Like that you can, since it's just a skill set, most of the wizards in the game tend to have armor and weapons and so on as well. Oh yeah, because there's no like, oh, you're in heavy armor, you're a minus two to cast a spell. Yeah. If you, I mean... Uh, technically you have to go off the archetypes, but there isn't really anything from stopping you being like, what are you? Oh, I'm a mage. Also, my combat rating is plus four. Fuck you. I beat the shit out of you. The second archetype that you even see when you flip through them is Cimmerillion sword mage. Yeah. So you're doing fine. There's, there's plenty of battle mage archetypes you can choose from. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in magic. Do you want to dive in to the next part of the book, the world (sighs) gazetteer? God damn. Okay. So, like, the end of the magic section is, like, even when it, it tells you everything and then does pages about each different type of uh, order and it tells you... Oh, it gives you a couple of spell examples to get you started? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it gives you all this background information, like, where does this come from? What can you do with it? What does it look like? All that. Like, even then, you're still ending on, like, page 50 or 60. And then it is just, like, 300 pages of setting information. So, folks, let's go ahead and put a disclaimer here. If you're a big fan of Talislanta, if you know, like, all of the different countries and all the races and everything, and you are super hyper into this setting... Get ready to hate this next section. We... I mean... I, we, had, we each had one week to read this book. This book has 85 races in it. Or something. I'm, I'm, it might be more. Uh, There's, I, we don't remember the names of any of them because it's all just generic fantasy names. I mean, Jeff has the problem of forgetting names for things anyway. I sure do, Jeff. I mean, John. And I have the problem where I hate stupid made-up names with an unreasonable amount of hatred. Well, okay, we shouldn't say that we... Because uh, ultimately, we need to be able to maintain our credo as people who should be doing the thing we do. Yeah, it's just at this level, I'm like, oh, I'll remember a few, like Gnome Kin. Sure, I can remember Gnomekin. Yeah, I can remember Ahar, uh, Simrillans. The uh, Aemian. Yeah, the, the, the Arian, the Ariads. Yeah, the Arians. So so here's the thing. It's it's done in a kind of world travel. Uh, but what I was going to say is, if you're a huge fan, be ready to hate this next section, because none of us rem- neither of us remember any of the names. And I guarantee you, we're going to forget anywhere between a quarter and three quarters of the thing, the races that are presented here. Well, going through and actually being like, All right, here's this section of the continent. It's got these 12 races. Let me tell you every unique quirk about every single race, plus all the bestiaries for every single, like, small section of this. Everything is split up into such an amazing amount of minutia, which, for a lot of it, it is interesting. Oh, yeah. No, when I started reading it, I'd say maybe the first 70 pages of this world gazetteer guide to this, this world book of information. I was like, oh, this is neat. I like reading about these cool races. What an interesting setup they've got going on. And then by like page 300 of it, I was like, I can't absorb any more orcs. Yeah, the 
The problem I have with it is that it just goes on so much to the point where you look at it and you're like, this is weird because this is a continent on a world. This isn't the planet Talislanta. It is a continent and there is a bunch of shit outside of there yeah. that they don't even get into. And I'm like, man, no. Like, you could have just taken probably even less than half of the information here and gone, this is a continent. The rest of this shit will be on other continents or islands. We will put out books about that. Yeah. So, to give you a, just a generic overview, it feels like this continent isn't, like, organized in any... It's like a zoo, it's like if you go one mile in any given direction, you're in some other race's territory now. And that, that race only exists right there. Yeah, the the races have not a ton of intermingling, but the what they do and why they do is mostly because every single race in this does one thing and one thing only, which means they rely on every other race to do anything for them. So to give you an example of what that means, there is one race in this book that doesn't do anything but maintain a store of knowledge on top of an ancient mountain. There are 12 of them. I think they're called the Chroniclers or something, and they're basically just a bunch of Uwatu's the Watcher. Now, they could have made these guys some, some of the basic humans of this game and put them up on that mountain and been done with it, but no, they're a discrete special race. Then, as if some Chroniclers weren't enough, there's a whole race that doesn't do anything but maintain a library in the desert, that's just all they do. They're just librarians. They're permanent librarian race. They live out in the desert and are librarians. And there's a third race that doesn't do anything but live on an island and maintain an observatory. Yeah. And the whole thing is you might hear that and go, man, this is, that seems really weird. How do they even survive? And you're like, oh, well, that observatory race. They are on an island with zero natural resources. Mm -hmm. And the only reason they survive is because since they have dedicated their entire race to doing, like, observatory nonsense and looking at uh, weather patterns and stuff like that, anyone who sails has to buy charts from them. Yeah. So everyone interacts with them because they're the only race that does that. Yeah. And the same thing, there's a race that is like, what do you do? Oh, we make the best uh, quality instruments. Oh, you mean the musical instrument guys? Yeah. Or the, yeah. So the bobor. If you're like, I want to get a musical instrument, yeah. there is... A race you can go to. The, the Bodor are a great example of... So, I guess the conceit behind this world is evil wizards a long time ago, and that's pretty much... We're done. Like, Well, even before that, it was... What happened? Uh, an alien ship crash-landed, and they found magic in it. Yeah. And then those guys were like, great, we're wizards now, and because we're evil dick wizards, nobody likes us, and we cause a cataclysm. Yeah. And that's what evil dick wizards do. There's a couple of the races that are described as being like sorcerous created hybrids for the amusement of ancient wizards or something. There's too many of those. That's the problem. Eventually, wizards ceases to be a fun explanation for why there's 80,000 races doing one thing in one location. Yeah. And uh, it, it happens for like, what is this? Oh, these were probably created by wizards back in the day. And then you'll read like three more things. And you get to another guy. These were created by wizards. And then you get one that is. These were summoned by wizards. They come from a different planet, and they just live here now. Oh, yeah, the alien-looking ones, the ones with the long, curly chins. Yeah, they're just like, what is this? Uh, they were aliens, and now they're here. Yeah, they have two brains. They have what's called dual encephalon as an ability that lets them think about two things at once. and, and uh, Makes them ridiculously good at being lawyers and philosophers, but they cannot do magic, period. Yeah, they have absolutely no capacity for magic, and sometimes they lose one of their two brain halves, and then they become a demented one. <laughs> I, but it, I, don't even, I couldn't remember for the life of me what they're called. No. Because there's 7,000 races in this. Now, the breakdown of each individual race is 
They give you uh, the following categories for all of them. Every single one. Every single time. If it's a race that might be playable or is probably too evil to play but is intelligent, it gets these. Ancestry. This is where it describes the the history of this race and how it came to exist. The problem is that the answer is always, we don't know. Yeah. There, are, there are 100 races in this book, and all of them are, we don't know. The, 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 it's usually, it usually goes like this. Theories suggest that the Archaeons, which are an early race, are the original offshoot that, from which this race was derived. However, people from this race disagree and find that notion stupid. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of like, oh, these guys, uh, people think that they were created by wizards. They say that that's stupid. They weren't created. They were always here. Anyway. Moving on. So that's Ancestry. The next one's Society, which is actually a good one and, and doesn't get skimmed over as often, if I'm being honest, because uh, it tells you how they live. So it'll say things like, oh, these guys kind of are hunter-gatherers, or these guys live behind a walled city-state somewhere. These guys are jungle Spartans. Yeah. Uh, and then Customs, which again is interesting, and it tells you kind of how they live and, and what you can expect to see when you encounter them. Uh, government, more of the same. And again, every time you get these, even if the race doesn't have a government. Uh, magic and religion, which is usually more about religion than magic. It's usually like, these guys worship a weird bird that they call the bird wor- worship. <laughs> Uh, and also, some of them are aromancers, I guess. Yeah, there's there's a lot of the the weird thing is going into it. You were looking at the orders for stuff, and you're like, oh, there's all of these different ways you can cast spells. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. But then it turns out that like, oh, only one race on the planet uses this particular spell type. Oh yeah, like rhabdomancy or whatever. Yeah. yeah. If you're like, oh, if you wanted to be someone that casts spells through say, writing sigils, like you wanted to be a rune magic guy, there is a race that does it, and if you wanted to do that, you'd have to either start as that race, or in-game, after you've created a character, like, go to them and beg, and they'll tell you no, because they're the only race that knows it, and fuck you. Well, yeah, a lot of this book is races that have racial powers that they they have monetized and are now keeping monopolies over. Yeah, because they're like, oh, we're the only people that can do this. No, we will not teach you. So after magic and religion is my least favorite thing in the book, which is <laughs> the arts. Now, the arts started out as fairly interesting because the first couple races in this book are interesting. It's like uh, three-foot-tall fairies that spend a lot of time using telep- uh, telepathy on each other. Yeah, and, super empathic fairies. And then wizards and so on. And, and their art c- culture was kind of neat to read about. Eventually, what you realize as you're reading your way through this thing is that the arts section isn't really about art and doesn't have any interest in it. It's, it might as well have been called, Are These Bad Guys? <laughs> Yeah, if you get to a race that you're like, what is this? Oh, these are definitely only here to be antagonists for your group. And when you get to the art section, it's like, oh, they don't they don't like art at all. They hate it. They hate art. They destroy art when they see it. What? They don't have any artistic culture and their only music is the screams of women. Oh, good. Great. Man, that's, that's garbage. There should have at least been one that was like, art. These guys love tapestries. That's the thing. All, of all the evil races, I kept hoping for the one that was like, oh, these guys actually have a rich art culture because they're creatively evil. Oh, yeah. You get one of those, like, aristocracy evils. Yeah. That's like, oh, yeah, we're super lawful evil type and we love art and you have some of those, like, crazy blood artists or whatever and they're like, oh, I... I only kill races from this type because their blood is the best pigment. So there are three types of races that you're going to get in this art section. One of them is one of the many, many races in this game that's just human. Because there's about, I'd say about 
three quarters of the races are just peoples. They're just humans. Well, they, they the, can, and then they're like, they're basically Star Trek aliens because they're like, what is this? It's a human. They're also yellow. Yeah, okay. light purple or whatever. But you could probably fuck them. Probably. You know you can because anytime women are mentioned in this book, it's because they're courtesans or sex slaves. Or- oh my God. The, the amount of time that they use that old, ah, oh, the dudes are ugly and the ladies are pretty. That's the thing about this book is that there are so goddamn many races that there's always room for the worst tropes to show up and they usually show up twice. Because this book has not one but two races of brutish cavemen men and super sexy women with super pheromones that they can use to seduce you. Oh yeah, you go to the archetypes for all the classes in the back and one of them is like, what is this? Uh, the only uh, choice for archetype for the lady is a courtesan. courtesan yeah. And the only thing you can be as a dude is just a male and it's an npc class yes so you can play as a sex woman if you want but you can't play as the males of the species what's up with this book has two kinds of gazorpazorp yeah it's it's just weird you and then even while all the races are like this is the one thing i do they'll start getting multiples of those so you have like two different races that are uh like super bankers yeah there are three races of bird people uh there there's Two races of super machine technology guys. Yeah, and they had the gear wars. <laughs> they had them gear. The whole thing is Rick and Morty. It's yeah, just the ju- whole thing is Rick and Morty all the way down. There's bird persons. <laughs> There's a whole race of cat dudes that just squanch in, in closets. Yeah, I mean there. I don't. There is a race of cat dudes. They're they're, they're called the Jacka. Yeah, of and, course there are. And uh, the cat dudes are jungle warriors because of course they are. And yeah. then there's a whole race of rat men. No, I mean the once you get to a point where you've decided, okay, well I I can't do basic fantasy races, you will invariably end up getting to, all right, well, I'm just going to TMNT this shit and turn animals into dudes. Yeah, and this book does it with, there's no dog people, but there's there's cat people, fish people. A lot of lizard people. Lots of lizard people. There's there's like four kinds of lizard men. Uh, there's there's uh, frog rep- men. Frog people, which you can't play as. I was so disappointed when you couldn't Aww. play as the dumpy looking frog you guys. You can't be frog locks. They're frog centaurs. They're the weirdest race in this book and you can't play as them. Nope. Frog tars. Um, but, I mean, I, I feel bad because we've been talking for like 20 minutes and we've barely touched on any one of these individual races. There are too many for that. Yeah, that that's what I was saying is the problem is you can't, like in a one podcast like this, go into every single race in depth. Because you are just going to give the surface level. Like, right. if I talk about one of them and I go, all right, uh, these guys, they live in the jungle and they have an entire basically Spartan thing where they're like, oh, yeah, we are we only value martial prowess and we find that tolerance to pain is the best thing a person can have and we are highly sought after as mercenaries because all we do is fight. Yeah. Like, I mean, what I could do is I could just list names and see if John remembers anything about them. No, probably not. Hey, John, what were the Nagra? I have no idea. John, what were the Snipes? Uh, they didn't exist, and then we got sent out on a hunt for them. I, you know, I, I thought of that joke as well, but the Snipes are a playable race in this game. <laughs> they are giant snails. Yeah. They are literally giant. They aren't people snails. They aren't snail tars, which would be a gross, interesting fetish thing. Yeah, well, I mean, then you'd just be a fucking Star Wars race. You'd have that snail head. <laughs> Oh no! You're thinking of Ithorians. I'm thinking of the opposite of a snail. You're thinking of a of a snail otar like a minotaur, where I'm thinking of a centaur snail. Oh, okay. So like if a, well, a like human body half is, of a horse and like, the top half like, of a snail. So it's like a, a snail shell, and then the goop that pops out the front is a guy. Is a guy? Oh, that's great! Just a slimy dude pops out the front, all 
bare chested, like, hey everyone, yeah, snail I, dude, I'm a snail guy. <laughs> you 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 need to go somewhere? Okie dokie. Y'all want to come inside the shell? Lots of slime, but I'm grilling. <laughs> I'm grilling up slime. What, uh, so the snipe is probably my most favorite of all the races in the book because it's playable and it's literally a giant snail. Yeah, um, there. I, I don't mean I don't want to make it seem like we were being flippant for the races. No, on there's this. a lot of really good ones. Yeah, there's there's a ton of interesting stuff in here. It just goes on for so long that eventually you stop caring. It's an embarrassment of riches is the problem. And I feel bad for saying that because accusing a book of having too much good stuff sounds like... You the, know, the AMPM of RPGs? Well, it, sound, yeah, it sounds like a weak sauce complaint. It's like, this book's got too much great shit in it. First of all, it, it's not all great shit. A lot of it's very rapey. Oh, yeah. Well, there's... There's a ton of, like, these are slavers, and all they do is go around and get sexy ladies. And there's a lot of races that are literally, these are just sexy ladies. They all wear diaphanous veils and, and totally want to give you the bone. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's even if it's not one of the ugly men, sexy lady ones, there are still a bunch of, like, the fairy ones or whatever that are just, what is this? They're all beautiful, and they are all about boning. Yeah, so there's a lot of there's a lot of old-school ra- uh, sexism in the book that's kind of... It's especially, it's weird because, you know, you encounter it once, you're like, yeah, whatever, it's a, it's a heartbreaker RPG, I'm up to speed on what's happening here. When you encounter it 20 goddamn times... Yeah, that's why you'll begin to really notice a lot of stuff, is because you're like, oh, this is this is the third race that seems kind of like they're Jew stand-ins. Oh, yeah, there's a whole race of nothing but desert bankers. Yeah, and they're like, oh, they're super greedy, and they'll never give you a good deal, and all they do is... They want gold, and you're like, oh, okay, all right, I get it. There are also two races of coal-black skin people. There's the Ariadna, which are the good ones, and the Danilek, which are kind of evil raider types. Yeah. And so, I mean, literally, the book is just every kind of bad idea you've ever heard of in a role-playing game. Here's four of that. Yeah, so once you come across, like, the third one of it, you're like, oh, wow, this is the third time you've mentioned someone is a gypsy in this game. Thanks, yeah, book. the Sarista start that off. Yeah. The Sarista literally, the, the book just goes, these are gypsies. Yeah, there's the it, archetype for not even them. There's another race that it's yeah. like the whatever gypsy is the archetype. Yeah, and of course the Sarista are described as uh, having that, oh, if you put it down, I can steal it code. Yeah, gotta love every time they put that in a thing where it's like, they are gypsies and they will steal anything. They have no concept of personal property. I think what we should probably do is boil it down to discussing very quickly what our favorite, like, before we get to the favorites and least favorites in the game, uh, discussing our favorite and least favorite of the races. <laughs> can, you, can you do that? You don't have to give it the full name. Sure, sure, fine. So I already said the snipes are my favorite, because they're, they're talking snail men, and I thought they were hilarious. Uh, so that's going to be my favorite. What's your favorite? Uh, God, I don't know. I I do really like the, uh, the ones that do the Zodar, because there's only, like, one race that really does it, and yeah. I can't remember their name. They're, they're another desert-dwelling gypsy sort of analog. Yeah, but they were, they're very interesting because at least they weren't like, we're gypsies. They were just like, nah, man, we're all about like mysticism and... That base. And and the, the Zodar and doing fortune-telling, but the whole culture is like, oh yeah, we all use these cards. We use it for telling fortunes, for just playing games with it. Uh, as well as there are a few people that know how to cast spells with it. And I was like, that's interesting that they've really incorporated this thing into their life, mm-hmm. but it's not the only thing that they have, which was nice. So I was like, you're interesting. I like reading about you. Uh, I mean, there were 
a ton of them that were just like, what are you? We're just weird people out in the middle of nowhere doing one thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to pick for my least favorite the Danuvians. Okay. They're very minor. They're a race that lives... There's one group of them. They live behind a walled city, and they're the Amazons. Yeah. There's, they're, they have men, but the men are just breeding stock, and you never get to see them. And the reason I'd pick them as my least favorite is because their archetype, you can only play as one, and it's the Danuvian Virago. <laughs> and I'm not sure... Help me out if I'm wrong here, John. Virago is like a, a term for like like women, right? It's like a... Old, I don't know, man. I think it's an old-fashioned, mean-spirited word. But anyway, moving on from there... This is the thing about them that drives me nuts. Uh, there's a whole paragraph of them that describes how event, how they don't bone men right now. <laughs> like, someday in the future, you will totally bone many men uh, at your leisure and when you wish. But for now, you are too busy with war. And I'm like, okay, there are 200 or so archetypes in this book. Of all the ones that are men, they never bother mentioning whether or not you're going to bone some ladies later. <laughs> but but for all the ones that are for the women archetypes, the the uh, Amir knife thrower, the uh, the the Danuvian virago, the one that's the the hot ladies but ugly men, the yeah. courtesan one, all of their entries are always about their interactions with men. Yes, all they, they never have independent lives. It's always like. You are a mighty warrior with a vagina. Your vagina is very interesting for the following three paragraphs of reasons. <laughs> yeah, any time that they are like, oh, we're going to do something that separates the gender in this race, then immediately it becomes about what's going on with the ladies. Yes. The men the men, even the men in there, if they're like, oh, these guys are brutish. Anyway, you're like, okay, but you didn't tell me, like... Do they have some sort of breeding cycle? Do they give a fuck about... No. The only time you talk about sex is when it's specifically women and whether or not they are doing it. Yeah. That's the only interest in sex the book seems to have. is, is uh, Or if certain races are deeply promiscuous. Yeah. There are several races in this book that you only know of for the fact that they run around fucking. Yep. They're the fairies at the very beginning, but then there are several more that are like jungle races. Like, what's up with these guys? These guys like to fuck. They, they want to get it on. If you come to their land, you're probably going to get laid, bro. Woo! You could also go to this other race. The dudes are so ugly. Even you've got a shot. <laughs> yeah, uh, for my least favorite, God, I don't know. Like, I kind of want to pick one of the evil races for like just the, being boring as fuck. Like the Uk or the Kang or the Sorens or yeah. the Mondraka or the uh, the Zaw. Or, or the the Danelec or uh, the the reincarnators yeah. any any number of races that are basically orcs yeah dar darklings well any of the races that not even just that they are orcs but that it's just what are you we're evil because we are evil okay uh, what are your rea reactions to other people we will attempt to kill or enslave or rape them okay uh, what's your society like there is no society whoever is the strongest is the leader and uh, we don't like art. Uh, okay, fine. Great. Great. Moving on. Thank uh, you. Who Who's the next evil one? Oh, we're the same, but we look different. Yeah, we live okay. in a slightly different location, but are effectively the same thing. We we are the desert version of those jungle guys that are evil. What are you? We're the mountain version of those desert guys. <laughs> we are the Hardys to their Carl's Jr. Yeah. Look, we are the rallies to their checkers. Yeah. It's it's just unnecessary. It, you could just be like, what lives out here? Za. What lives over there? Desert Za. Yeah, the, I mean, a couple of them you can kind of be like, all right, what are these? Uh, evil undead. Okay, fine. They can be brainless. They're undead. Sure. And there are cool ones in the margins. Like, for example, uh, one of my favorite things in the book was there's an island near the edge of the world where a group <laughs> of a group of Roman-styled robots are building something. 
yeah, just doing stuff. They they're left over from the like Westworld style Roman world, and no one knows what they're doing out there, and they don't even know what they're doing out there. They're just out there building something, and occasionally they take slaves and work them until they are broken because they think that everyone else is also robots. Yeah, and they're just doing something out there, and that's that's a cool bad guy. Like out there in the wilderness, there's a weird group of Roman robots building a thing, and they don't know why. Yeah, and I mean, there are a lot of weird things out there where it's like, what is this? Oh, it's an island of people that some believe are actually Archaeans that survived, and they have a little society, but anytime anyone gets near them, they flee or drive them off. Yeah, there's these cool stories that are buried in this giant, boring mor- the, uh, morass. Like, uh, for example, the Reincarnators are a group of wizards that, that uh, traded their lives for power a long time ago, and they can't die. They just keep coming back as evil wizards over and over again. And then there's one race called Zambrians that live to hunt the evil wizards. And if they kill the evil wizards, they stay dead. So there's this whole neat story about these two races intertwined and fighting throughout the course of everything else that's going on on this continent. No, I mean, that that story, though, there are so many of like, here is a race that you can play as. Here is the race that hates them and they fight. Yeah, like, for example, the... the, the the Aemites or Aemin or Aemites whatever. are just the protectorate from, from War Machine. or Yeah, pa- they're, they're super religion. They're just Catholic guys, yeah. Yeah, they are the Inquisition forever, but they're the good guys you can play as because they have, like, there's a wall that they built to keep out some I other... The, I think it's the Kang. And they're like, oh, we always fight, and whoever wins the fight every year gets control of the wall. Yeah. Uh, that's And that's sort of cool, right? I mean, but it's buried in this... Morass, like the the other one I liked was the Ara and the Morguan. Uh-huh. The Morguan are four legged, fro- dumpy, mud drawing frog people, yeah. and they hate the Era, who are four armed tiger lizard men, and they they constantly get in battles in some swamp somewhere where there's a bunch of little tiny green dudes that watch. Yeah, and the little green dudes are just like, "Hey man, what's up? Hey, I like nature." We and both of, and the the nice thing about that is even the evil race like the centaur frogs are like, "No, we're cool with the little green dudes. They're great." Yeah, they're awesome. No one no one wants to hurt them. No one wants to hurt the little green guys. They're just like, "Hey, yeah, the master, nature, we." Yeah, let's all drink grain alcohol. <laughs> yeah, that's why everyone loves them. They just show up to a party and they're like, "I brought booze." <laughs> the mix in is nothing. <laughs> you Get can- tanked. You can chase it with booze. You guys fight. <laughs> I love watching this. Man, that that voice started to really change into Mickey. You kind of Mickey up at the end, yeah. <laughs> oh boy, I'm a nature spirit. <laughs> I've got some great alcohol. <laughs> hey, hey, Goofy, you should fight Donald. <laughs> That'd be funny, right? Oh, or kiss. We're <laughs> <Or> both. <laughs> but all right, so there you go. Um, after th- this, oh, one more thing that was cool about this section. The bugs. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. I love the weird bugs in this that don't get their own write-up. They just keep being mentioned in other people's stuff. They're just little monsters, like little monster descriptions. There's these little bugs, and they're called things like ambush bug or hunter bug or nomad bug. And they're just like, what are you? We're little one-inch tall bugs, and we do one human thing. Yeah, they're all like semi-sentient bugs that are like, oh, what's going on with you? For some reason, our entire race has learned how to build bows and arrows, and if you show up and threaten us, we will shoot you. Yeah, there's another one that doesn't do anything but gather into little groups and go on nomadic walking adventures. Yeah, the fucking bugs go on walkabout. Yeah, it's it's rad. I love the bugs, and I feel like the best way you could play this game is to make a character that's a hu- like a uh, one of the playable races, and then also a bug, and just consistently check in on your little bug adventures. Oh yeah, because there's, I mean... That definitely is an episode of this TV show is 
you know, you'll have your main protagonist, and then eventually it's just going to follow along the bugs in the background. Yeah, you can zoom in on them for a while, and let's just see what those doozers are up to. Oh, man, look at Cotterpin Doozer making all those cool little doozer sticks. Yeah, man. It's, and there will be like, oh, the, the main guys are doing something in the background, and occasionally you'll hear them talking about whatever's going on, but mostly you're just focused on this weird bug caravan. Yeah, so the, the caravan bugs and the, the assassin bugs and what have you are far and away the, my favorite part to read. It's like, it's like finding Sergio Aragonis comics hidden in here. Oh, yeah, there's weird as shit going on. Yeah, so those, those were great. So after you finish up with this giant gazetteer, you're still not done. You, you hit the section called Archetypes, which is about 200 playable classes. Yeah, it's just a shitload of broken up by uh, location, uh, location yeah. races, like classes that they can be. Daru- Danuvian Virago, Marukan Mercenary. Marukan, by the way, is, is one of the two races. It's them and the Quan that are the two races that are defined by losing. Oh, so yeah, the, the ones who are like, we're sad. We're dumped. And, and like the book is so mean to them. Like, literally, it's like, you are a Marukan mercenary. You're quite strong for Marukan, which isn't saying much, because your race sucks. <laughs> you got the crap kicked out of you. You're going to have to go train for a while until you'll be the hero of the beach. You're a sad little dumpus. Yeah. You should get Atlas's guide to working out. <laughs> no one's going to kick a sandcastle at you anymore. You'll show them what for, <laughs> and then you'll take that beach bunny off in your arm, I tell you. Hero of the beach. <laughs> And it just keeps going. You got your uh, Karakan Giant, Zaw Smuggler, Farron Scavenger, Kalidian Cryptomancer. Uh, so that's, and those are straight up characters. They're done. You can make a couple of minor modifications to them. You add two extra skills to them and they're ready to play. But it just goes on forever. And it, uh, again, kind of reinforces the little bit of skeeve that this book has in it about gender interactions. Yeah, because you'll be like, oh, what's the only thing I can be from this race? Uh, prostitute. Okay. Okay. Well, at least it's called a courtesan. Yes, of course. Yeah. So, there you go. Um, after that, there's a section of GM advice. Yeah. Because all the monsters that you've encountered that you needed to play the book are just buried in that world atlas. Yeah, because they keep doing, like, here's a section of the world. This is this country. In this country, you will find these weird beasts. Yeah. You'll find these Kang. And also, these Ogrophants. Uh, they're big monster elephants. There you go. There you are. It, the only problem is, it, the uh, it, it makes this book kind of hard to use. Yeah, because if you go to look something up, you're like, all right, uh, I guess I have to flip to whatever part of the book you're in for the world and see if I can find a thing for that. There is a really nice index, but, I mean, still, it's it's interesting that the monsters are so interspersed. Yeah, you don't get a, like, here is your main bestiary with everything in it. Yeah. It's just, you know, little sprinkles throughout the entire uh, gazetteer. Yeah. So it's, and that's it. That's the whole book. That's, that's cover to cover. So uh, I, I think we've pretty much done it. I mean... Granted, I, I, people are never going to be happy with the way that we cover this thing because there are so many races. We'd have to do like five episodes on the races. Oh, yeah. There's so many races, so many classes. I've got so many ants in my eyes. <laughs> and I can't, I can't feel anything. Did I mention that? It's a, it's a rare condition. I have no sense of touch. Uh, anyway, I, th- so why don't we get to our favorites and least favorites instead of just quoting Rick and Morty? Sure. Okay, here we go, John. What would you say is, <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is your favorite thing about uh, Talislanta? Um, fantasy role playing by fantasy role playing by some guy named Steve, I think <laughs> by by Steve by a Steve. Uh, I think my favorite thing in this was probably going to be the simplicity of the rules. Yeah, the fact that you just need the one d twenty. Everything is just compare it to this one chart. Mm-hmm. All you need to do is you would roll and be able to look at what your total was 
and know right off the bat, like, did I succeed? Did I fail? Was this awesome? You you don't have to do the whole like, all right, I rolled and I got a 14. Is that good? You're like, oh, I got a 14. Great. I succeed. Yeah. So that's nice. Uh, so that's a good favorite thing to like. This game, like we were saying very early on in the podcast, this would be a good convention game. Yeah, it's just the rules are even like, here's the base rules, here's the rules for skills, here's the rules for combat. This takes like 10 pages, maybe. Yeah, of a 500-page book. Yeah, it is so simple and easy to jump into Yeah, that even someone who's like, I've never looked at this book, I know nothing about it, you're like, great. Here's a five-minute overview of what it takes to play this. You're ready to go. This book's been on our to-do shelf for like six months. I've been afraid of it because it's thicker than any steak I've ever cooked. <laughs> I've been afraid to touch it. I'm like, uh, I, don't, I, I don't know if I can read this thing in a week. And it turns out you can because it's very easy to skim over the latest type of orc. Well, there's, I mean, it's got a decent amount of art yeah. in there that fills that up. Pretty and fun art, too. There's some there's some fun stuff in there. Yeah, no, the it's not, I mean, a it's, lot of times we bitch about the art in yeah. books, but this is actually good art. It's good, it's like good old-school fantasy-style art. It, like, there's nothing of the modern style in there where everything's perfect and comic booky. It's old-school sketchy, but it's very good old-school sketchy. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, everything in there, it's just super easy to jump into, so I'll say that. You okay. can get through it fairly quickly. Speaking of old-school sketchy, John, have you seen my van? <laughs> Uh, I've only seen the outside of it. Oh, dude, you should see the inside of my van. <laughs> it's It's got a great view from its no windows. Oh, man. Yeah. There's all this candy in there. Candy, shag carpeting. I got a tattoo rig in there. Nice. Oh, I got everything you could possibly want inside my old school sketchy van. <laughs> all right, so that's your favorite? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take that. What would you say is your favorite? The magic system. Yeah, I was going to leave that for you. Yeah, I figured, well, I figured you were. and It, it would be remiss if no one said it. Well, the thing is, I... I did have a couple problems with the magic system mm -hmm. that you were like, no, I super like that, so I definitely would give it to you. Yeah, so the magic system in this game, it's a free-form kind of uh, create-as-you-go magic system that's very much about player and DM interaction. It's, it's not bargaining in the way that like a wish spell is bargaining and that the DM is encouraged to fuck with you, because this game has a lot of intent-driven mechanics, which is a, a huge relief to see. I like it when a game has, like, tell the DM what you want to happen, and then work with the DM for that to happen. It's not, tell the DM what you want to happen, the DM figures out a way to give you the opposite and laugh at you. Yeah, the the fact that you can go, look, my intent is to do whatever, and he's like, okay, that's a thing you want to do, and it would be possible to do it, let's figure out how you do it. Yeah, so I like that about the magic system, I like the orders, I like the... Uh, I like the simplicity of the modes and then the complexity of the orders. It makes for an interesting balance. Yes. So I'm a fan of it. I like that it even included a couple of discrete spells as examples. It was it was just nicely done. I wouldn't even mind seeing it imported into other games. Mm -hmm. So I'm a fan of that. Uh, that said, what is your least favorite thing? Uh, least favorite thing is just how much stuff there is. It it really should be cut down. The, uh, like the amount of stuff that is in this one continent, I'm like, dude, there's... There is no way that this is happening. If you had all of these singular, discrete races all over the place, they would just, they would get wrecked. It's funny to think, yeah, exactly. Some big race is just going to be like, what, there's, what, 200 of these guys living on some some uh, little landmass? That's us. We're going to take it. Yeah, that's ours now. Yeah. You're done. Yeah, you guys are dead. That's the end of you. Yeah. It's weird that that doesn't seem to happen. It's kind of... One of the complaints I've seen people spread about the lore of World of Warcraft is that there are far too many sentient races. Yeah, but this like, is way far and above that. Yeah, it's way more, and it's not spread across, I think, three distinct planets now. It's just one continent. Yeah, the 
the amount of very different but all very intelligent races living in such close proximity. I'm like, man, we don't even have different races. We're all humans and we can't deal with that shit. Yeah. The amount that I'm looking at this book going like, man, you should have spread this out a little is a lot. Plus, just it's so much information to put on one thing. Yeah. And you could have cut out a lot of the redundant ones. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, this is a rare ca- a case where I feel like this book should have been three books. Like, people are always complaining about how the D&D, for example, you need three books to play, right? Yeah. Like, this book should have been the core book in a couple of world books. I'm not saying necessarily that it's bad of them to include so much awesome information, but it's it's challenging. It like, is It is definitely something where, I mean, like you had said, you this has focus. been on our shelf for so long because you look at a book like this and go, Oh, fuck, this is going to be just tedious to get through, where even if it does read quickly like this does, and it's an easy system, the way that it looks, the amount of information presented is going to be daunting for a player just getting into this. Yes, yeah, and that's fair. I mean, again, not everyone who buys Talislanta is buying it so they can review it for a podcast later. <laughs> Hell, no one is doing that, because we didn't buy it. It was sent to us by a listener. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... The the uh, the uh, my big takeaway is there's a lot of things about this book I really like. If this if they had been presented in smaller packages, you could give them more attention. Yeah, I uh, feel like if even if say just this book had say the Seven Kingdoms and a few of the evil races and a couple other weird island guys. Yeah, I'd be like that is a good base fantasy setting. Yeah, and then it just keeps going for like another 200 pages, and you're like. Oh my God! You've given me like four worlds worth of information here. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 an amazing value for money if you like lots and lots of races. But it is, uh, it feels like it, a lot of them could l- use a little more attention. For example, I, I feel like you could have come up with something better to say about the evil book races than to give them that dumb art section where they all hate art and they all hate their own governments and their worldview is that they hate everyone. What are we? We're we're assassins. We fucking hate you. Yeah. Great. We don't have an artistic culture. Incidentally, we all work real hard on these leather bracelets and top knots and things that we do, but we don't have an artistic culture, damn it. <laughs> so that would be mine, is the the too much information there. Your least favorite thing? Uh, I'm going to say my least favorite thing is going to be some of the old school sexism in the book. Yep. Uh, I, I know that that was going to be predicted and easy, but it's it's definitely something that needs to be noted. Yes. Uh, not just that, but also the casual throwing around of gypsy like three times. Oh, yeah. there's Not a- the word, but like the concept. Although also the word. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the thing is, the book really does have multiple things where you're like, this seems like it's starting to verge on being offensive and then occasionally verges right into it. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And it, it, it's just the problem is, again, because of the embarrassment of riches contained in the book, you're going to run into old school, oh, it's a whole race of prostitutes, like, three times. Yeah. So, just the fact that they're like, well, we've got to fill another, like, 40 races, eventually you're going to run out of ideas and be like, it's, man, I don't know, these greedy guys, they've got big noses and beers, oh, shit. Whoops. (laughs) Oops Oops-a-daisies, I did it. I'm sorry, Mexicans. That's (laughs) my stereotypes about Mexicans. Yeah. Oh, I got a race there. Real good at sports, but they're also lazy. Sorry, Eskimos. <laughs> I'll try again. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So, so there you go. That's my least favorite. John, would you play this game? Uh, I mean, I would give it a shot. It's easy enough to get into. It's easy enough to play. That if someone wanted to run it, 
I would be into it. Like I said, you'd really have to focus the game on something. Yeah. Like, your guy would have to say, all right, this is the section of the continent we're in. These are the races you can pick from. Just let's get an, an actual laser focus on something. Let's get a story going. Because I think one of the other problems you're going to run into this is a problem I always ran into in playing Rifts. Which was my DM would be like, we're doing a game that's set entirely in Triax. And I'd be like, can I play a Chiangku Dragon? And he'd be like, no, those have nothing to do with the setting. Can I play a Hydra? <laughs> no, no, the fact that Hydras are playable is stupid, and you can't play one. That is stupid. You are stupid. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah, that's you're going to run into that problem a bit in this book, which is, you know. People, Someone's going to find something that they think is super rad. We're playing a cool mountain adventure. Can I play a Castabulanese? No, they're from the islands. Yeah, there's going to be something that someone's going to latch on to, and no matter where you're playing, they're going to be like, I want to be that thing. But that's a problem of players and not a problem of the game. No. I, I still... But I, so you would probably play this in like a convention setting, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. If some if someone was like, dude, let's play a game of this, I'd be like, sure, I am I am ready to give this a chance. I know the rules as well as anyone. I'm just not going to play as any of the prostitute races, and I'm going to pretend they're not in there, and I'm going to ask you to do the same. Yeah, given that you can pretty much just get the rules that you need on a business card and just go, look, I've got the chart I need right here, Yeah, and I've got my character sheet, I'm done. Yeah, so... I'm in the same boat. It's simple enough that I would play it. It's got some fascinating stuff. Uh, it's got a ton of it. It's got so much of it that it starts to stop being fascinating stuff. Yeah. It's a weird complaint, but there it is. Yeah, there you go. But we both play it. We both had some high points. The low points aren't that bad. Uh, it is It is a book that I'm giving a tentative recommend to. Yeah, sure. There you go. So it's, it's one of those things where if someone told me, hey, I'm backing this on Kickstarter, I'd be like, that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, shall we get into some announcements before we're done? Sure, may as well. So, folks, we're going to be appearing, sort of. We're just going to be at. We're not we're going, to be, going to be appearing there. Yeah. We're going to be apparating at Kingdom Con. <laughs> we'll be at Kingdom Con at the end of next week, which is going to be the weekend of the uh, what, 27th through the 29th or 27th through the 30th or something like that. Yep. Uh, so that's going to be here in San Diego. It's an amazing convention. If you're San Diegan and you are not already going, get your tickets now. It is a great time. If you're looking for a cool con with cool people that isn't in Ohio, let me tell you... <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to go to flyover country, then boy howdy, has there been a, a convention here in San Diego. On the other hand, we love Indiana. So if anyone runs a convention in Indiana and they want to invite us to be there, uh, <laughs> then by all means, it's it's night and day. Indiana's great. Ohio is terrible. Yeah. So amazing how that works. Putting that out there. Just saying, if there's anyone running an Indiana convention. Some Indiana convention. I'm not being picky. Let's just say one that's held in, I don't know, Indianapolis specifically. You know, just to, just for a suggestion. Yeah, just just sort of an idea. Let's throw that out there. No, we're going to be at Kingdom Con this weekend, next month in May, uh, May of 2017. i got to remember that these podcasts are permanent and that people are going to comment on them later. Uh, so we'll, we'll be at Kingdom... Or not, we'll, yeah, we'll be at Kingdom Con again. Again. It'll, it's every month. It'll be closed, but we'll be there <laughs> just standing on the corner handing out hot dickings. <laughs> We've got time travel capabilities, and every month we go back to Kingdom Con. We'll be at KublaCon, which is up in the Bay Area. Yes. Uh, from May 24th through the 26th, I believe. That is a big convention weekend. A ton of different conventions are going on during that. So if you can't make it, I understand, we but are, I am disappointed. We are invariably too lazy to properly sign up for games at that one. So we're going to be looking for stuff to do. So by all means, if you're going to be at KublaCon and you want some extra guys for your gaming table, we will play in your games. Also, let me just say, man, I tried to sign up for some games, and they were like, nah, you can't sign up for anything. No, they have that dumb shuffler thing. Ugh. And it's weighted based on how much you volunteer and stuff. 
I'm not. I'm not. A f- I'm, I'm a bigger fan of wandering around and seeing the convention and leaving to get hot dogs. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm a big fan of going to the convention hall, wandering around for a minute, getting a hot dog, and never coming back. That's that's that was great last year. Yeah, that was an excellent plan. It was we a had. wonderful trip. <laughs> Top dog, here we come. Here we go. So, uh, I guess that's it for for uh, our our announcements about conventions that we'll be at. There there will be more coming. We're trying to do more conventions. We want to meet you people. We want to meet you and greet you. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else is there to discuss? Folks, we are within $25. We of, are so close of getting that next yeah, uh, that, goal. Yeah, that, that next Patreon goal where we start doing live play content. Yeah. Like actual play. People always ask us to do it. We're putting it out there. We're making it available. It's going to happen. So uh, we're. I think we're only 25 bucks away. When we get to that, we're going to start doing live play of Gamma World, one of our favorite games, and a game that I think is very well suited to the live play format. Indeed. Uh, we'll be doing that with some friends from the Swallows of the South podcast, notably Quinn. I don't remember who he's bringing along with him. Someone. Uh, it's probably a Steve. Probably some kind of Steve. Some kind of Steve. So maybe a Steve Carell. Oh, probably. That's what You heard it here, folks. Probably it's, a Steve King. It's an exclusive, folks. It's going to be Steve Carell playing Gamma World with us. <laughs> it's going to be Steve Carell playing Stephen King. Yeah, and Steve Buscemi's going to be there. He's not playing. He's, He's just, just there. Be there. He just likes to watch. <laughs> Steve Buscemi likes to watch. Spread the rumor. <laughs> uh, so we're getting real close. And to those of you who are already supporting us on Patreon, thanks so much. We wouldn't be able to do any of this stuff without you. Yep. Uh, otherwise, you can support us on that Patreon at patreon.com slash systemmastery. Or you can find us at systemmasterypodcast.com, systemmastery on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, uh, or Reddit. You can find us there to send us your questions, recommendations, uh, comments, whatever you want to do. That's the easiest way to get a hold of us. All we ask in return is that you give us five-star reviews on iTunes and and uh, Stitcher. Oh, man, I thought you were going to say, give us $5. Yes, please. Also, if you see us, give us $5. Yes, please. Uh, but no, give, give us some five-star reviews. That's the easiest way for us to spread and become a bigger show. Yep. So, thanks so much for listening. Johnny, got anything else? Nope. Then have a nice week. 